Hello everyone, welcome back to another True Potential Do More With Your Money podcast. It's episode 167 this week and it's going to be an interesting one because uh, it is actually about interest rates because again they went up this week as you probably saw in the news so we're going to talk about that today and see what it means for you. I'm joined on the podcast this week by uh, Paul Durrance, George Bellsback and Neil Rayner. Uh, becoming an ever-present Neil on yes. the podcast. Yeah, familiar face. A familiar, and a familiar tie. I see you and George have uh, been yeah. to the same shop pretty much. You almost yeah, have identical ties. We got two for one. Um, well, uh, it's always. I, I, I'm not surprised by that because I know you like to save a few pounds mm. uh, yeah. of other people's money. We're known as the Maxim Paddy of the retail world. Are you really? Yes, we are. <laughs> Who's who? <laughs> have a guess. <laughs> decide. <laughs> Let the audience decide. <laughs> <laughs> You're being too funny. It's too early in the podcast. Save it for later. Um, so interest rates this week. Uh, it's been probably the major economic news of the week, and then there's a lot of stuff lying behind that to do with inflation and and what's happening in the US and, and Europe and all the rest of it. So we're going to talk about that. We're going to get into the ribs of some of that this week, uh, I think, Neil. Mm. Um, and a shout out to Daniel and Greg for that one as well, but we'll come back to that maybe another time. I hope not. Um, I just want to come to you first of a camp, Paul. That's the in-joke that if you didn't watch last week's podcast, you wouldn't understand, so you'll have to go back and watch it. Um, I want to just, for anyone who perhaps missed the news, if you've been out on the road this week or been away with work or whatever it is, yeah. you might not have caught up with interest rates. So what happened this week, Paul? So yesterday we saw the Bank of England raise interest rates by 0.25%. Mm. So going from a base rate of 45 to 4.5%. Yeah. This was very much expected by the market, very little reaction from the market following it. Um, and the reason why they're putting up interest rates is because inflation is still very, very high. So mm. the Bank of England target inflation at 2%, currently got inflation at 10.1%. So mm. that is very high, but we do expect it to <coughs> fall quite significantly over the next couple of months and it, throughout the rest of the year, as does the Bank of England. Um, but the put-up interest rates, the nine committee voting uh, team uh, voted seven and two in favour of doing so. The market's expecting interest rates to go uh, to 4.75, so another interest rate hike expected but then the market believes that they'll be done because inflation is coming down. Um, so we are at a 15-year high. I was going to say that, that 4.5%, uh, you know, when you put it in context, as you say, it's the highest for 15 years. I mean, yeah. that's well, these are historically, I know people will know if, if interest rates have been in double digits in the past. Yeah. So we're not talking record highs, but certainly in the last 10 to 15 years, this is new territory. Exactly. So coming out of... The financial crisis in 2008-2009, central banks around the world push interest rates to very, very low levels, like Mm. 0.25%. And it's just because of the inflation backdrop that we've had over the last couple of years coming out of COVID that they've had to be very aggressive in raising interest rates. So if we went back just 12 months ago, interest rates were at 0.75%, so we're now at 4.5%, so big, big change. And what they're trying to do is bring bring inflation down by stifling demand, mm. um, so as expected. Mm. But you mentioned there, just out of interest, the the the, uh, the 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 is it the Monetary Policy Committee that makes these decisions? Uh, that the yeah. seven seven and two, the vote seven to two. Yeah. Do, do you do you ever find out the two that didn't want this? Did, is yeah. that because they wanted to go higher, or did they just not want to rise at all? Do you, no, do, you, do you find that out? Or yeah, they do publish. Um, what each member votes for. Right. The two that voted against, they actually wanted to leave interest rates unchanged Where they were. Right, because okay. interest rates have already gone up really aggressively mm. over a very short space of time 
and it typically takes many months for that to work through the system. You know, people take out mortgages. Yeah. If you're on a fixed mortgage, then it takes time before you have to remortgage, mm. and it'll take time before that higher interest rate that you're paying your mortgage will actually mm. take in. I was going to say, Neil, on the we're talking about you know four point two five percent to four point five percent. You know, it doesn't sound like much in the grand scheme of things, a quarter of a percent rise. But this is adding hundreds of pounds a month. Mm-hmm. On people's borrowing costs, mortgages, and other things. I mean, how how else might people be feeling that right now? Yeah, they're feeling that. Um, I seen actually. I walked past a newspaper um, yesterday, and it was something like the the average mortgage payments annually are going up by seven thousand pounds, yeah. which is you know a considerable amount when you think in terms of income, your average income, and that mm-hmm. sort of stuff. So it, it's people are definitely feeling the mortgage um, rises. Um, People in their older generations are obviously having a look because savings rates have gone up as well. Yeah. Uh, you know, I think, you know, if you, you're taking a few sort of big high street banks and mm-hmm. they're putting up maybe fixed rates um, where you're putting your money away for one or two years. Um, and also uh, big American players mm-hmm. like Chase are, mm-hmm. are putting in, you know, 3% bank accounts. So mm-hmm. on the one side, a lot of people are making money in a bit in their savings, but also yeah. as well, a lot of yeah. people are, are facing really heavy penalties when they're paying their mortgage off. But as we know... Um, this may be a short-term thing from an interest rate point of view. Mm-hmm. Um, so you could be attracted by that. Yeah. But if we have a look at things like the portfolios, mm-hmm. uh, where we are looking over the medium to long term, mm-hmm. um, you know that's something that you would definitely consider. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because I mean, four four percent. If you, you know, if you might get a bank account that gives you three or four <coughs> percent now. So savers are the winners out of what's a fairly bleak situation in general. Um, but still nowhere, no, not getting anywhere near inflation if yeah. inflation's at 10. And Correct. George, why, why is inflation's, you know, we've mentioned it's coming down. We talked on the, one of the podcasts recently about how it's not coming down quite as quickly as, say, the Bank of England was, was hoping. We, we were hoping to be below 10% now, but it's still, as Paul says, um, around about the 10.1% uh, mark. Why is, it, why is it not coming down as quick? Because it is in other parts of the world, isn't it? Give us a bit of context. Yeah, it is. I mean, in the UK, a lot of it's driven by um, the... The strength of the consumer, strength right. of the consumer, because you've got such a low level of unemployment. Mm. Essentially, companies have had such a hard time of, you know, attracting and retaining workers over mm. the last two years after the oh, pandemic, yeah. when we did have that demand surge, yeah. that it's actually leading to, um, you know, wage growth, which has been coming through, which puts mm. the consumer on a better footing to one navigate mm-hmm. the fact that prices are higher, but also just maintain that appetite to get out there and spend. And mm. we have seen a shift in terms of people moving from buying a lot of goods because they bought them all in 2020 when they were stuck in the house mm. uh, to services and experiences, restaurants, bars, professional services and, and so on. So, um, you know, that's driving a lot of a lot of the inflation aspects that we're seeing. Um, you know, Paul mentioned there ha- there's been a, a significant amount of interest rate hikes come through over the last 12 to 14 months and it takes time for those to, to have an effect. So, you know, we have seen, you know, as well as around the world, central banks starting to think about pausing on the interest rate hiking cycle. Mm-hmm. We have in recent meetings seen a moderation in the size of increases as well, because mm-hmm. they're data dependent and they're, they're waiting to see what impact this all this yeah. all has. Um, if we look at you know areas like the US, essentially what we're seeing is um, inflation, which is, there's various different ways you can look at inflation to get a different reading of the drivers. If we look at what's happening month over month, if we just take April in the US, we had reports this week that showed inflation was going up 0.4%. Now that's double the rate the Federal Reserve needed to be Mm -hmm. in order to bring inflation towards that 2% target. And if we look at the 
components which are driving that. You know, we've talked about mortgage costs, mortgage costs, rental costs, which we capture in shelter, um, have been putting upward pressure there. You've also seen food prices in there as well. Areas which have been bringing the inflation reading down is areas like energy. So if we look mm. um, at energy year over year, that was down about 5% in the US. If you break that basket open, there's various different components. Petrol prices down about 12%, mm. heat and oil and diesel down around 20%. So you have got these different aspects which are taking hold. But in the US, of that inflation print that came out for the year over year reading, it was encouraging. It was yeah. 4.9, it's down from uh, 9.1 mm. at its height in mm. the summer. Mm. But services are still 80% of that print. Yeah. So it's still having a massive driver. But if you take those components out, being food, being energy, why would you take them out? Because they're more volatile, because there's more seasonality attributed. Yeah. That's where the challenge lies. And it lies there because if we look at headline inflation year over year to the end of April, 4.9%, the direction travel's been encouraging. But if you look at core, where services is a bigger component, mm-hmm. that went that was actually remaining stubborn, so it's higher. That's at 5.5% at this point in time. And that, that's the challenge for the Federal Reserve. It's not coming down as quickly as what they expected. Yeah. But where, you know, where they go from here is, you know, essentially we, we've seen, a, like the UK, we've seen you know, 4.75% worth of interest rate hikes in 14 months come through. And we now believe that the Federal Reserve are going to take stock. They're going to pause mm-hmm. on that interest rate hiking yeah. cycle. No guarantee there, because we'll wait mm. to see what the data tells well, us. I read something similar in the UK that some of the experts believe that we're, we may be at the end now of these interest rate rises. Absolutely. Maybe there's you know what, another quarter of a percent to come, maybe one more, who knows. But but um, certainly we've, we've, we seem we've done the hard yards. Is, is, yeah. that, is that not right? I, th- I think that that's absolutely right. And the market's only expecting rates to go maybe once or twice, 0.25% increases because they're expecting inflation to fall. Mm. Uh, it's very high, high now, but because of base effects, because of mathematically of how it works, as you progress through time, you, your measuring point is going from a high point to a lower point, mm. and so inflation will naturally come down and it should mm. and So if we look at what the Bank of England are expecting, so by midsummer, UK inflation to be at seven, by the Q4, down at five, this time next year, down at three and a half. So that's a material <coughs> deceleration in inflation. And that means that interest rates are expected to come down. So when we think about cash rates at the minute, yes, you might be able to get four, I mean, you'd do well to get four, four and a half percent, but yeah. you know, around three percent mm-hmm. may be attractive to investors, but that won't necessarily it's stay gonna, there for yeah. a long time. Well, I was going to say, do you think interest rates will come down? Let's say, you, you know, what the, the, the talk is correct and inflation does come down to this time next year, we're back to so any of that target of 2%. Do you think interest rates are going to come down as low as they've been pre a year or 15 months ago? Or do you think they're going to stabilise somewhere around about the 2% as well? Because, I mean, they were when, when they were at 0.5, 0.75, you could argue that that was, you know, artificially low it was yeah. it was very it was too low in fact some some would argue do you think we're going to stabilize at a couple of percent For, at a couple of percent i think it's going to be difficult when we speak to you know our managers they're more of the of the view that inflation is going to be higher around three percent maybe because there's structural dynamics taking place so a couple of examples um the demand for labor is still very high mm-hmm. um 
also companies are reshoring, so taking their businesses mm-hmm. out of, uh, say, China, and bring it in, on board, and that increases costs, and they, so they have to factor that in. You've still got the dynamic taking place within Russia and Ukraine, mm-hmm. and that's going to keep um, the risk to the upside on energy prices. Mm-hmm. So just a number of factors means that inflation is going to probably sit slightly above where central banks target, actually target yeah. and therefore yeah. interest rates will have to account for that and so it's unlikely that we'll go back to where we were pre-COVID mm-hmm. of, you know, But hopefully lower than where we are now from a borrower's point of view, from a saver's point of view you want it to stay high I think as, as well, along with the um, decision of the, the interest rates um, by the MPC you also get the minutes and the, the projections mm-hmm. on there and you know what we saw in the projections is they do see an environment if you look sort of 12, 18, 24 months out from now where inflation does, does start to, mm. to come down yeah. towards that target level and that gives them the flexibility potentially to, to yeah. bring interest rates down at that point. I mean, we're not going back to an environment in terms of what we're looking at now of yeah. where we've been with rates, but it's interest rates yeah. moderating. And I think at the, when you look at the products that we do and we offer, you look at long-term products, especially mm-hmm. pensions, um, you have to take that medium to long-term outlook view. Totally. And, and, and you know the market thinks in the same way the market's forward looking so mm-hmm. you know we've seen an interest rate decision this week but mm-hmm. we've been talking about you know where the potential peak of interest mm-hmm. rates could be or where do we get to for six months 12 months 18 months like that we've been talking about forever and and that can often be very good time for risk assets okay. so when we look at analysis what happens when the federal reserve pause on interest rates what can be the returns from equities from bonds from gold it can typically be very strong Mm -hmm. Uh, not always but Mm -hmm. uh, the data does support that going back over time and so that is the opportunity cost that you're giving Mm -hmm. up by not investing i mean is this you're the experts you tell me in 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 layman's terms in my layman's terms whether i'm right on this because every time i see the fed in america put up interest rates you see companies you you see stocks you see the indexes over there um, to take a bit of a hit, and I, I assume that's because borrowing costs. What those co- what those rising rates mean is that company borrowing costs are going to go up. Therefore, there's less profit in them. So, so obviously, right now that means you could be getting in a bit of a discount if you're buying up. You know, if you're buying into the portfolios, for example, you're getting them potentially at a cheaper rate. But if interest rates are going to come down, that's going to be a big boost to the market because those borrowing costs of businesses will should go down. So, therefore, the market we can we hope is going to see a nice bounce as over the next year or so. Exactly. You know, interest rates yeah. hopefully come down. So, so in other words, it's a great time to get into the market if you haven't, or you you've been pondering it for a while. Should I? Shouldn't I? Are, are you getting in at a discount if you do it now, with potentially some good news to come later? To an extent, uh, very much so. So, if we look at say the U.S. market, it was um, coming into twenty twenty two last year. The valuations of the U.S. market was very, very, very rich, mm. uh, and that has. Been somewhat has been supported by very low interest rates. We've seen a normalization or correction of that. So the US market last year was one of the weakest markets because interest rates had gone up mm-hmm. so aggressively. So as they come back down to your point, mm-hmm. yes, it's because markets are forward looking, the environment should become mm-hmm. more favorable. And Neil, if people want to, let's just say they listen to what Paul's just said there and George as well, mm-hmm. and they're thinking, all right, you know. I'm gonna I'm gonna get into this market. I'm gonna maybe start my investing journey, or, or I've been investing for a while, but I'm gonna I'm gonna really sort of think about the medium to long term and maybe put a bit more in. How can they do that? How can people 
open a boutique yeah. account or top up the one that they've got? Uh, very easily via the, the, the app or the client site. Um, what we have seen with our advisors over the last month is particularly that the rise in regular investing. So a lot of people yeah. are setting up regular rather than putting a lump what, sum. Like a direct debit or just doing yeah. it themselves regularly? Or? Yeah, so direct debit straight into the TP portfolio. You open it up and then you set up a regular, um, takes it straight straight away from your bank account or your debit mm. card. You've also got the impulsive feature as well. So if you maybe set up yourself a 50 or 100 pounds a month direct debit, yeah. but then add spare cash, 500, 600 pounds, you can press a button mm. and put that in and it'll buy the units at that cost. And we've talked about pound cost averaging as well with the market being particularly low and a good time to get in. Mm -hmm. um, so it's, it's a perfect opportunity at this moment. But yeah. like I said, we have had a lot of increases in regular investing, right. um, which is great for a lot of people. Why, who why do you think that is? Do you think that's just, is that for the reasons we're discussing or is there something else going on, do you think? No, I don't think so. I think, um, you know, it's, it's, also, it's always something that we've um, offered clients who have got that spare cash mm. because, you know, if it's, if it's there, it's sat in the bank. Yeah. Um, but also as well, um, I think obviously there's a lot of people who might not want to take the risk of putting a lump sum in mm. and seeing that bigger fluctuation mm -hmm. um, in the in the increase in the value and maybe want to take it uh, on a monthly basis yeah. where they go, well, I'm going to treat this like a bill. Do you think it's also the fact that the technology is now making it so easy? I mean, it has here for years and years, but just generally in the public, it's become, we're so used now to just, you know, put a photo and it's on your Instagram account, you know, order it, you see something on Amazon and it's, it's there tomorrow. We're very much used to just clicking off we go. And at TP, we've been doing that for years, but you can, you can, you can in 30 seconds, we could, we could do it now, all of us. You could be in, you could be, you could have money, you know, into your account and, and, and on its way into the markets, you could impulse save that in seconds, couldn't you? Yeah, it's a great benefit of obviously something that we've had for a while, but we're probably a bit guilty of not talking about it too much because we Well, come on, now's your moment, Neil. <laughs> you tell us all about it. We live and breathe it every day, don't we? So we sort of take it as the norm. Um, but yeah, I mean, it, an easier way to invest is everything is done now. It is by your mobile. Mm -hmm. You know, if you want to order an Uber um, in town and you get you get a taxi straight away, yeah. everything is done by a mobile. And it's very, very simple to do via yeah. the app. You yeah. set up your debit card, mm -hmm. um, you pick in your investment portfolio according to your risk, mm -hmm. um, you set your goal, mm -hmm. which is really important, mm -hmm. uh, and your product, your ISA or your pension, yeah. uh, and then it's tied to your debit card. So what's mm -hmm. easier, you click a button, it impulsives straight into your account and buys the units at that time. I think it's just the speed as well that, yeah. you know, if I've got spare 50 quid at the end of the month, I'll get that into the, mm. into the portfolios and I know it's going to get yeah. action straight away. Well, I, to Neil's point, there's a, there's a strong argument to say do it at the beginning of the month. You know, when you get paid, as you yep. say, treat it like a direct debit, treat it like your other bills that go out, just get it into the markets and done. And then forget about it. You know, you can worry about it next month. Well, I think we said it on last week's podcast. I think Greg was pay yourself yeah. first, uh, yes. which is yeah. a big point. Yeah, it's a good point. Um, yeah. yeah. Um, just coming back to then, you mentioned the US before, uh, George. Talk. So inflation in the US, you were saying, is, is, is lower than it is in the UK. Yeah. So, but nonetheless, it, it's not as if high inflation and interest rate rises are just a UK problem. We're not alone in the world in this. No. This is, it, I mean, is this genuinely a global phenomenon? But if it is lower in other countries like the US, why, why is it not that low here? It is. It's a global phenomenon in the sense, you know, even areas which have gone years and decades mm. without inflation like japan have now got inflation and yeah. they're having to adjust policies which have been firmly in place in order to to deal with that you know wh why is it a, a, a global aspect is because you've had interest rates at such low levels you've had um mm. you know consumers locked in the house and then you've had this you know the gates opened and there's a mm. big surge in, in demand and people desperate to get out businesses are still seeing that demand and are holding on to workers which is keeping money in in you know employees pockets and mm -hmm. 
getting them out spending. So you've got this this almost cycle which is sort of self self fulfilling. And unless you get a circuit breaker, then it's it's um, it becomes a challenge. And you, the circuit breaker or the breaks in this case are the the central banks. Mm-hmm. And central banks can um, manage demand because they can change your borrowing costs. They can change the cost of your mortgage and yeah. car finance and slow the amount which you spend in mm-hmm. restaurants and, and pubs. Um, otherwise, what they can't really do is influence, you know, how much oil is being pumped into the market mm-hmm. or mm-hmm. how quickly you get, you know, the supply of semiconductors from, mm-hmm. you know, South Korea to yeah. the UK. Mm-hmm. So it's a demand-driven concept and it takes time to come through and that's why they had to act aggressively because actually the inflation which we saw came, come through was mm-hmm. much more powerful yeah. and it was propelled you know we knew inflation was coming mm-hmm. but it was propelled through the invasion of ukraine and what that did to energy um, energy supply yeah, yeah. natural gas oil prices also food prices mm-hmm. as well so presu- presumably therefore those countries that had their own energy supply uh, or had invested in things like nuclear and stuff over years the US were sitting an pretty example, yeah. and, the, and the, hence why inflation as you say is lower in the us but you know what the, the problem Britain's had, if I'm right, I mean you tell yeah. me, is that we haven't we, we haven't got, if you like, the same reserves or the ability to produce our own energy in yeah. the way that other countries have. That's right. And you know, as, as you read on the news, for, for various different reasons, you know, we haven't invested in enough either in things like nuclear or renewables or whatever. So we're we're a bit of a sitting duck in that respect, aren't we? Having to import energy is, is that it? Yeah, we're you know we're a big importer of energy, and like the US, who have got you know a, a lot more self sufficient in mm. respect of what they've got with shale, um, and therefore what we saw last year was the big spike up in energy prices. That was a bigger impact to us in the UK and Europe than it was in the US. Now, what does that mean as we look forward? Well, Paul mentioned base effects in the, the calculation of capturing a year over year change mm. if we move further into if we move into the second half of this year we actually think that you know we'll start to see inflation prints in the uk come down mm. because that rate of change year over year starts to reduce yeah. you know we've seen energy prices which have been coming down natural gas prices have fallen materially mm-hmm. um but also those base effects so mm-hmm. the outlook in terms of inflation for the uk you know, we believe we can see an environment this year where we do see inflation at a headline level start to ease. Yeah, I mean, I wish it's it's a. I'm glad we're making the point that it's not. This is not just a UK thing no. because I'd, I'm not sure that that message gets told to the public. I mean, I was I was listening to an ad, an advert on the radio the other day. How it got signed off, I've got no idea. And it was about the UK being in recession. Hmm. And, and you know, I, I remember I've heard people just in you know in the in the, in the shopping um, centres in the in the queue. You know. Talking about rece- we're not in recession, you yeah. know. So we, we have to we, we should talk ourselves down as if we are. Yeah. This is a global phenomenon. Yeah. There are reasons why it's a, perhaps a bit more pointy in the UK, mm-hmm. which we've discussed. But this is happening in every country. High interest rates and yeah. mortgage costs going up. This yeah. is not just a UK thing. Yeah. And we don't want to tell ourselves that it is. We had the Bank of England yesterday. They gave their forecasts uh, for the next couple of years on the UK economy. Previously. In February, they were expecting a recession to come. Mm. They actually revised up their forecast. Yeah. Now, expecting modest growth over the next yeah. couple of years. Mm. The UK economy, as we've been looking at in the data, has been performing better than expected. expected. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but you do need, you know, we do need the economy to grow. And this is one of the challenges, isn't it, Neil? That you've got on the one hand, in terms of households, you've got you know a so-called cost of living, you know, rising pressures on on people's uh, wages, which are then going up, which is also then fueling. Inflation, because as people battle with, with general, you know, mm-hmm. prices in the shops, they're demanding higher wages. Some of that's feeding through higher inflation. On it, and on it goes. But if you're a business as well, you know, thinking about investing in your company over the next six to twelve months, 
if interest rates are going to potentially keep going up or they're this high, you've just got no idea what's going to happen. It's really hard for a business to think, well, I, I, you know, I'm not sure whether I, I might just have to sit on my hands for six months. I'm not quite sure whether to invest because mm. my borrowing costs could be could be much higher or, or maybe not. So I'll just sit tight, yeah. which is then, therefore, if, that's, if, that, if lots of companies come to that view, that's going to stunt growth. So there's a lot of different, it seems to me, a lot of things working against each other. Yeah, policies working against each other in the UK. Well, I think that's it's, it's it's also to do with the individuals as well. Mm. We've got the centralised clients who we obviously you know have sixty thousand clients yeah. that we service in the UK, and I think a lot of people are maybe sitting on the finances at this moment. Mm. Um, the maybe's are mortgage payments have gone up. Uh, the maybe's think, well, I need to cut back on this. Mm. But at that point, it's always good to have a financial review. Um, and that's yeah. what we're doing. And it, people tend to do it at the start of the tax year, uh, and that's why we're really busy at the moment doing things like annual suitability reviews, um, and also as well, the rise in mortgage payments or maybe is encouraging people to look at how much money they're taking out of their pension and to maybe increase that just to cover the cost, the additional cost. Uh, but it's always good to have a review, yeah. and that's what we're really busy at doing. At and, and always worth speaking to your advisor as well. I mean, right now there's yeah. a lot of, as we say, there's a lot of, things bubbling away in the economy that are affecting people in different ways, yeah. whether you're a saver, whether you're a borrower, typically people might be both. So it's always a good idea, as you said, to have a chat with your advisor well, or the team a lot here. Of, a lot of people don't realise, and myself included, and probably everybody in this room is, when you look at your banking app and you look mm. at the amount of money that you've got going out, you're thinking, crikey, I'm spending a lot of ad hoc spends here. Mm. £7 Sainsbury's, £11, you know, M&S, whatever it may be. And you're thinking, I'll have a financial review because I can see realistically where I'm wasting a lot of money. Mm -hmm. um, and it's always good to have that because when you do look at your income and expenditure, yeah. you'll probably find that without ad hoc spending, you've got a lot more net disposable income at the start of the month mm -hmm. than what you think you have. Yeah. Uh, so it's always good to have a review. Absolutely, yeah. Just in terms of you know what we're doing in the portfolios, you, know, you made a good point about this isn't a UK standalone situation in terms of inflation and um, that you know likewise we're not restricted to investing in the UK mm. so we can invest clients money in parts of the, the the market where we believe there's a better opportunity and therefore mm. one of the areas which we've been building through the course of this year has been mm. uh, government bonds because Paul mentioned the expected return for that asset class looks better an area where we've been focusing is in the US um, you know if we look at what we've been doing in our portfolios and what Paul's been doing in his fund. He's been building exposure, which has been rewarded in terms of the return delivered. Yeah. Um, and that's, you know, of a view that if, you know, interest rates do come down, it's a much better environment mm. for that asset. But if inflation remains a challenge and interest rates are coming down, we've been diversifying the way we mm. access that by using inflation-linked bonds as well. So multi-asset is all about yeah. looking at all of these challenges and saying, okay, well, you know, how do we navigate these and where are the opportunities? Mm. So we're talking about, you know, live prints or relatively live prints, they're backward looking, but we're just getting them this week. Yeah. But we've been talking about these subjects for, for a long time and investing clients' money accordingly. And I think that diversification point that George makes, Paul, is a really important one that, again, for people who are perhaps new to the podcast or new to True Potential, all our eggs or your eggs when you invest with us are not in one basket, the absolute opposite of eggs in one basket. So talk a bit yeah. about how that, how we do that, why, why we do that. Yeah, we really first, um, focused on the concept called advanced diversification and it's looking at diversification through different lenses. Mm -hmm. So we look at it, we use um, different managers with mm -hmm. different styles. So some might be stock pickers with a value um, style, or some might be uh, fund of funds. Uh, so that's one layer of diversification. We also invest globally across different regions. Mm -hmm. So you get diversification there. So 
we talked about UK inflation, big problem here, less of a problem in the US. So we want to be diversified there. Mm -hmm. And then we look at different asset classes. So we're not only investing in stocks and bonds, but we're also investing in alternative assets, investing gold, mm -hmm. all perform different very differently and it helps really smooth the journey for the end client mm. in terms of the returns and the volatility they receive mm -hmm. and really trying to uh, get strong returns but minimize the volatility mm -hmm. for them yeah so someone who does what neil says opens up their two potential account does that direct debit that 100 pounds 150 quid whatever it might be a month that's getting spread across the world. Exactly. And so you're getting a bit of the uptick in America when that comes. If it comes, you're getting some, as you say, some alternative assets. You're getting a bit of UK, but you're getting a big spread. And you're getting different managers as well. You're getting, you know, 10 different managers. Mm. You know, these are world-class managers. Yeah. And you can like who, who, who would, who, when you say managers, who are we talking about? So these are big companies, the likes of Goldman Sachs, uh, SEI, Allianz, mm. you know, known all around household the world. Names, basically. Household names, yeah. absolutely. Yeah, okay, good. Well, there you go. So one tip then to um, to, to, to beat uh, inflation or, or to, 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 to you know, over the long to medium term I'm talking about here. So what, what would you say to, a, to somebody watching this podcast today uh, thinking, OK, you know, I know interest rates are higher. Maybe maybe you are lucky right now getting something like you say, three percent in the bank. But over the over the long term, <coughs> that, that's unlikely to, to hold. What would be your advice to somebody or your best tip to somebody who's uh, thinking I really need a kind of five five year plan here? What, what should it be? Uh, main would be to have a review with an advisor. Mm -hmm. We always recommend that. Um, normally every 12 months to review your current investments, mm -hmm. but also your personal situation as well. Mm -hmm. And also think about the medium to long term. Don't mm -hmm. think about the short term effect mm -hmm. of the market mm -hmm. uh, because that's where you want to be looking at to achieve yeah. your goal. Uh, I mean, that that seven, uh, well, the 3% the, the we talked about, you might be getting in the bank. I mean, we've got True Insight there and, and there's a new one coming out in the next week or so, which has got the data in that your, your portfolios have performed uh, going back to 2015. Yeah. And uh, I believe the, correct me if I'm wrong, but I, I mean, I know because I'm, I'm in the aggressive portfolio. And I think a, after fees, that's gener that's delivered annualised, about 7% growth. Yeah, about 7.3% growth on annualised After basis. fees, yeah. 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 I, I, and that, that's going back to 20, 2015. Yeah. Now that's, that's you know, there's real growth over the long term. Yeah. Historically well above inflation. Yeah. Uh, whereas these, you know, bank accounts might be maybe a friend right now, but let's see what they're doing in 12 months. Yeah, but also going to think over that period, think about the number of events that we've all been mm, concerned yeah, about. True. Inflation, true. COVID, Russia, banking issues, mm. we've still been able to deliver mm. those returns. So yes, it can be uncertain at time, but have faith in the, the people that you invested with, mm -hmm. the advisors that you speak with. Mm. Keep the faith. It's a good song as well. Um, <laughs> excellent. Good time to end. Right. Thank you very much, Paul, George and Neil. Uh, some useful, I hope, discussion there around interest rates and what it, what's happening, why it's happening, and, and you know, as Neil was saying, what you can do uh, personally about it as well. So um, thank you very much, and thank you for watching. Hope that's been useful. If it has, and even if it hasn't, still give us a like and a subscribe, because we like that. And uh, tune in again next week, because we do this each week on the podcast. We, we try to get into the, the detail of what's happening in the market and how it affects you. So uh, do give us that like, hit subscribe. Thank you for watching, and we'll see you next time.